Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. Emily Baxter is the creator of the documentary project We Are All Criminals, where participants describe crimes they committed for which they were never caught. She's also the director of public policy and advocacy at the Council on Crime and Justice and the fall 2013 Robina Institute Visiting Fellow at the University of Minnesota Law School. Today, we talk about her recent launch of her documentary project online, which can be found at the website wearealllcriminals.com. Wearealllcriminals.com is a website that features interviews with people who have criminal histories, uh, but no record. So, in other words, people who have gotten away with crimes. Um, as you know, one in four people in the U.S. has a criminal record. It's a record that decision makers use to shape policy and to determine the true character of an individual. Um, but, but the question is, how useful is that? Mm-hmm. Um, should we, as society, treat those who have uh, records or, or people that have been caught as somehow deeply or inherently different from the rest of us. Uh, and this project is an attempt to flesh that out, mm-hmm. uh, to destigmatize criminal records by marking everyone, uh, but also to provide uh, a starting point for people to consider the role of race, class, and privilege uh, in the, the juvenile and criminal justice system, and the practical and, and moral uh, need for second chances. So on the site, mm-hmm. uh, viewers first notice uh, 50 plus photographs and a handful of graphics. Uh, the photos are of participants uh, in, in their home or, or, or just their home or, or office, say, uh, in their kitchen, uh, a bookshelf um, or a bulletin board, or where the offense occurred, uh, in a park or, or the neighborhood, or even of the participant herself. Um, taken to relay individuality and personality, but without uh, revealing identity. Uh, And the graphs are are an attempt to illustrate the profundity of this issue with criminal records and the inability to move forward. Uh, So there's a graph on just how many people in Minnesota are under correctional control right now in 2013, one in 26. Uh, Back in 1982, it was one in 98. Mm You know, I mean, the, that population has just ballooned mm-hmm. uh, in, in the last uh, few decades. Uh, and then viewers can also find a, a call to action tab um, where they can find clear steps to follow, uh, say if it's an employer or a landlord, a decision maker interested in changing their policies, um, they, they can find really clear steps on how to do that, as well as local resources for employers seeking to partner with organizations or agencies that train people with criminal records um, to to work in in certain industries. Um, If an individual is so moved to become legislatively involved, uh, there's an opportunity for that. And then, of course, there's also a tab to participate anonymously, uh, which I would encourage all of your listeners to do. So tell us how you got the idea for this project and sort of how it started as an idea and then developed into an actual display. Sure. So it's, it's a bit of a backstory. I, um, coming out of law school, I, I worked as, um, as an assistant public defender with the Regional Native Public Defense Corporation, uh, representing enrolled and enrollable members in the Leech Lake and White Earth Bands of Ojibwe. 
and, and I represented them when they were charged with crimes in state court. Um, and I found, not after um, being there too long, that sometimes even the, the youngest clients were already well-worn vets of the criminal and juvenile justice system before they really even got a chance uh, in life. And that interaction with the system was seriously foreclosing opportunities in the future. Um, the inability to complete schooling, uh, to, to find a job, to uh, obtain or maintain professional licensure, things that, that really allow economic mobility um, and, and stability and, and a deep feeling of self-worth mm -hmm. um, were, were all... I was finding that more and more of my clients were prohibited from, from that. Uh, so I, I left that position and started working at the Council on Crime and Justice in reentry, really delving into the, the collateral consequences of criminal records. Mm -hmm. And then through that position, I, um, I spent several years uh, advocating on behalf of people with criminal records, uh, speaking to, to legislators and landlords, employers and licensing boards, and, and the general public um, about the, the need to give people who have criminal records second chances. Um, and, and in truth, I kind of felt like I was ramming my head against a brick wall uh, mm -hmm. for, for quite a bit of the time. Uh, of course, there were exceptions, there always are, but the, the majority of the time I, I felt terribly um, ineffective in what, what I was trying to do. And uh, the opportunity came up with the, the Bush Foundation um, to re-examine what I was doing uh, in my day job, to uh, really challenge myself to, to think about a, a new way of looking at the same problem. Um, and ideally, looking at it through a more sustainable um, and effective lens. <clears throat> but then also a more personal lens. Right. Uh, and and that, that really struck a chord with me. I, I don't think that law has ever been my natural language. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very calculating. It's very cold. It's, uh, it does everything it can to take the human being, the individual, the person, out of the equation. Uh, and so this was an opportunity to put the person back in. Mm -hmm. um, so I... I turn the lens right. uh, in this, rather than looking at the one in four people who, who uh, has a criminal record, rather than um, focusing on, on that particular population, I instead started looking at the three out of four right. people, the other 75%, yeah. the people who have committed crimes and, and gotten away with those crimes. Mm -hmm. And so how did you get people to participate because you're kind of asking them to do an interesting thing <laughs> which is reveal this personal thing that they didn't get caught for yeah. so how what was your recruitment strategy well first let me say that I am still and it's been a year and a half now since I, I started collecting stories I, I am still um, astounded that people are participating <laughs> I, I am so grateful, but also so shocked mm -hmm. um, that complete strangers are willing to, within the first few moments of meeting me, reveal something that, that is so intensely uh, personal. Um, so that, that said, what I did was I, I created a, a flyer uh, at CCJ, and uh, the, the flyer wa was sent out to our social network asking people to forward it on to their social networks. 
Um, uh, and, and the simple ask was to tell me stories of crimes they've gotten away with. Hmm. So I, I wanted to interview people who were three, four, five times removed from me. I started yeah. getting emails and phone calls. And uh, I, I got in my car and traveled all around the state uh, with my, my recorder and my camera and, and started collecting these stories. Yeah. And um, you took photographs. And so tell us about what that decision was to to add a photograph to the story. Through this, I, I try to provide as many avenues, um, avenues for similarities for people. So that when you pull up the website, you know, the, the accusation uh, is, should be offensive. It, it should, mm -hmm. you should have a visceral reaction to somebody, a complete stranger, saying that you are a criminal. Right. Right? <laughs> there, there's a reason why that population has been so stigmatized. Um, and the, the entire project tries to make that, that labeling closer to home. And so there's, there's a wide range of offenses from petty misdemeanors to felonies. There are personal crimes and there are, um, there are fraudulent crimes. There are, there are drinking and driving crimes. There are crimes that people committed when they were kids. They were ones that people committed just, you know, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. There are really well thought out crimes. There are crimes that people didn't even realize were unlawful yeah. until we had the conversation. So it's, it's a wide range of, of offenses. And I, I hope that... Um, people are able to find themselves in that. But even if they aren't, not in that, let's say they don't have the patience perhaps to comb through every right. story to find the one that resonates with them, then maybe the photograph. Uh -huh. Maybe the, there's a picture of a, a bank teller's kitchen shelf and, and there's a little Buddha on yeah. there uh, as well as a, um, a can of, I think it's turtle chowder soup, you know. Um, how many people have little Buddhas <laughs> had them at some point, you know? I, I I, I think that that's one more kind of hook to draw people in to, um, while you recognize that that's that teller's very um, individual personality, you see a piece of yourself in there. Mm -hmm. So it's the photographs are, are another attempt to draw people in, but but also to fully flesh out the person as a human being. Yeah. Right. Criminal records do everything they can to flatten people out, mm -hmm. <laughs> to reduce someone to theft or assault or um, substance abuse or crim sex, whatever it might be, um, and to, to reduce that person to a statu statutory number and say that this is the identity of that person. This is looking at criminal records, or I'm, I'm sorry, criminal uh, histories, but really bringing that person forward. Mm -hmm. So you see their story from their point of view, and you also see a piece of them, mm -hmm. their junk drawer, their their kitchen shelf, their right. refrigerator, you know. Yep, yep. And what was the experience like for the, the people who participated? Was it sort of a confessional experience for them? Or, I mean, what kind of reactions did they did they have to just telling their story? You know, just like how, how so many um, of the stories are, are just all over the map, mm -hmm. so too have the response has been. Um, some people have treated it as almost a confessional. Some have um, been gleeful uh, in their retelling uh, of what they got away with. Um, some have, have been profoundly sorry for what they've done and, and they have felt ridden by guilt um, for, for even decades. 
it's been an, an interesting response. I, I, I guess I, I was surprised mm -hmm. by the wide range of, mm -hmm. of reactions that people have had in, in time. Um, the, the process of this, uh, just so, so that you know, your listeners know, um, is I, I get a phone call or, or I, you know, somebody in some way reaches out to me and says that they're interested in participating. I meet with them. It's typically a two-hour conversation. Yeah. Uh, where we talk about any number of offenses, but but we also talk about um, where they've come since then, um, and and we look at all of the the opportunities in life that that would have um, been prohibited had they picked up a record. Um, then after the the interview and after the the photo shoot, um, I go back home and process all. All of what was said into a four-paragraph story. That's mm -hmm. the kind of ideal lines, about a four-paragraph story. Uh, and then send it to the participant for their approval. And we go through an editing process, both with the, the story and also with the photographs, so that the final product, the record that is right. created uh, um, of the offense, is, is actually made by that person. Mm -hmm. Who did you picture your audience to be when you were creating this? So, first of all, I, I thought the only people that would participate would be um, people that, that lived through the 70s and did a lot of drugs in the <laughs> 70s, you know, or maybe the, the occasional recent grad with, um, with a few drug stories. But, but really, I thought it was all going to be fifth-degree um, controlled substances. And, and I was very surprised uh, by, by the wide range of, of people and offenses that, that came forward. Uh, much the same way, the audience, I really had just hoped to get it in front of a few employers. Uh, specifically, I, I was looking at employers in the North Woods surrounding the Leech Lake Reservation. Um, I, I really uh, feel like I, I need to, to give back. The, the impact has been far greater. Than that I've been really surprised but I have I've received responses from New York and Ohio and but also from from a wide range of, of people here not just employers and not just landlords um, but but police officers and and police officers in training and probation officers and um, future business leaders and and current business leaders um, it's it's been really astounding mm-hmm you know, our audience is social scientists and students, and thinking of this project as a way to kind of get at fundamental issues in the criminal justice system. How do, how do you think through that? How does your project help us to grapple with these, these big problems that we know are apparent? You know, the, the majority of the participants, and at, at least ones that, that you can discern um, race and class from either their picture or their story, um, are middle-class uh, white participants. And, and quite a few of the stories involve actually being stopped by police, but being let go. And not let go as in, that's all right, kid, I'll turn my back this time, but I'm sorry to have inconvenienced you. I think one of the most dangerous things in, in our criminal justice system, both in our policy, but also in the way that we practice, is this belief that that there's a very clear line between us and them. And the project attempts to 
blur that line um, between criminal and clean. And it's a lot more difficult to justify our, our prison population. So I, I just think it's easier for, for us as a society to justify locking people up and to perpetually punishing them if we can convince ourselves that they're nothing like us, that they're deeply flawed and that they're permanently flawed and therefore they must be permanently marked. Mm -hmm. So where does this project go next? It's online, so the world has access to it. Um, <laughs> but now you're opening up the door for a lot more participation. So what, what do you hope to see happen next, or what are, what's your plan? So I, I, I intentionally started off with a focus on Minnesota. I know everything right now on the site says um, one in four Minnesotans. It focuses on Minnesota statistics. Uh, and that, that was a very intentional um, launch to the project. I, I wanted to make it clear in our own backyard that there are problems. Um, it's so much easier to pass the buck when you can say it somewhere else. Like that's, wow, that's a great project. Um, great, <laughs> great job illustrating the problems in Texas. You know, <laughs> like no, no, this is here. I mean, it's everywhere, but it's also here, and and we have the the ability and the obligation to fix it here first. There was an, a very intentional decision to to start the project in Minnesota. Um, I think come twenty. 14, I, I would like to, to bring that nationwide. So start partnering with organizations and agencies in other states that can give me um, similar statistics and what I'm looking for, also connections to local orgs so that employers who access them and who access the site in those jurisdictions can connect. Um, but I also want stories from all over, you know? I, I really want... Um, this to be something that, that we as a nation pay attention to uh, and, and that we as a nation respond to. So to that end, I, I would like the, the website itself to have uh, a more nationwide focus come next year. Um, I also travel with uh, a set of retractable banners, <laughs> uh, a traveling exhibit, um, and I've recently been invited to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so I can't wait to fill up the hatchback and, <laughs> and head on down. Um, but, uh, but I would like to build that exhibit and, and bring that to more places. I think that it should be in company headquarters, in the atrium. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I think it should be in law firms. I think it should be in government centers, outside of courtrooms. Um, you know, it, it has a dual purpose. It, it really, the, the bulk of, of the purpose, the real thrust is uh, asking people to, to be introspective, asking people to be humble for just a moment and to recall what they've done. And then to think about the, the nuances and, and the, uh, the context that they allow in their own story. I was, I was drunk, I was stupid, I was young, I was a kid, I was uh, with the wrong crowd. Um, you know, those, those are all justifications that we allow in our own personal um, stories, but we don't allow them in others. And, and then to take that context, take those nuances forward when they're um, considering criminal records, when they're considering either, you know, somebody with a criminal record who's applying in, in a position at their, their job or considering criminal records policies, um, you know, at, at uh, a governing agency. But 
the the second part of that I know that was a huge first part but the second part and, and this is to a lesser degree but but I think nevertheless just as important is to reach out to people who have criminal records in an attempt to to show them that they um, they're not alone and I've, I've had some good feedback to that to that end as well um, people with records, either clients or, or just people that have come up to me after an exhibitor reached out to me on the website saying that um, they, they were grateful that um, for the first time since the, the record really started haunting them, um, they, they felt uh, maybe just not as broken.